It is my joy and pleasure to welcome our guest speaker this morning. Uh, Adam is a lead pastor of Aletheia Church in Boston. He has been married to Hope since 2003, and they have four children, like true every nation pastors. Four months after their marriage, they were called to move to Edinburgh, Scotland, to help plant new churches. He quit his job, raised money, had a baby, and set off, like true every nation pastors. They labored for five years alongside a great team. Today, they, they stand in two new churches where there were none. In 2009, they transitioned back to the U.S. to plant Aletheia Church in Boston. Since starting Aletheia in their living room at 26 people, the church has not ceased to grow and reach those who were once far from God. Now, this man is what we call a scholar. Completing his master's degree at Reformed Theological Seminary, Gordon Conwell Theological Seminary, he has written a couple of books. We do have some of his books at the bookshop. Please get some. The one I will encourage you to get is The Art of Rest. Great book. As a guest speaker at various events around the U.S., Adam also is currently um, in the middle of his PhD at the University of Aberdeen and demon at Gordon Conwell. He is the author of The Art of Rest, as mentioned. I want to mention two more things about Adam that has really impacted my life, even from a distance. Uh, Adam and, and his church, they have this thing called the big gift. So once a year, they collect money and they give to big needs in society. And uh, this year, they help us buy a house for Freddie Rob Project. And that's where we're currently running our Freddie Rob Project. So thank you so much, Adam, for that. We so appreciate it. And the second thing that really I've enjoyed with Adam is his passion for the Word. So you're in for a treat this morning. Let's welcome Adam as he comes to preach. Um, it's great to be with you today. Um, I'm, I'm honored, really, to, to be here. I have been hearing about the great things God has done and been doing in South Africa since I began in ministry. It was um, some South African pastors that you all sent with us to Edinburgh that basically kept my wife and I married and saved and holy and uh, taught us how to, they kind of were like our parents uh, since we were away from our parents. And then uh, you all uh, sent us to Boston, uh, Gail and Tendai Musikavanu, who are some of our dearest friends and, um, and, uh, and we're, we're, we're grateful. I've been grateful for this church for a long time, so I feel very gratified to to be here, so thank you for the invitation. You've been in a teaching series on the book of Jonah, and I love the book of Jonah, uh, and, and so I'm excited to dive into the text with you today. So if you have a Bible, open it up to Jonah chapter 3, or, or dial it up on your phone, and I'll pretend like you're not checking your email. <laughs> And as you're doing that, I wanted to introduce uh, my family to you. Um, this is them. Uh, yes, like True Every Nation pastors, uh, we have made disciples the old-fashioned way and the, and the new-fashioned way. Um, so that's my wife, Hope, on the right. I met her when I was 15. She was 16. We were in math class together in high school. Um, she got an A. I got a C because I was paying attention to her. Um, but it all worked out in the end uh, because uh, we got married. Uh, I was 20, she was 21. I, I shoved my four-year undergraduate degree into two years, uh, and we got married a week later. Um, so the, the, motivation, the motivational factor of a beautiful woman. Um, and, and then we, uh, we, we made humans, and this is our collection so far. Um, the, they're, um, yeah, they're, they're not great roommates, but they're, uh, they pay no rent, and they're quite expensive. But 
They're amazing. Um, that's my on the left there in that center picture. That's my eldest daughter, Alana. Um, she uh, was three months old when we set off over to to Scotland, and um, she had most of her childhood there. Uh, Nora is her younger sister. Nora is a piano playing, softball playing. She's like this wonderful uh, living contradiction of in one moment super girly, and then the next moment just out in the dirt with her brothers. And I love that about her. Uh, Cole knows everything about American sports. Which which is hilarious because I couldn't care less. Um, and, uh, and he tells me every morning, Dad, here's what's going on with baseball or basketball or football. And I'm like, okay. You know, it's good for him. And then Wyatt, Wyatt's our youngest kid, and uh, he is on a, um, an exchange program with Al-Qaeda uh, to slowly, uh, working as a sleeper agent, to slowly destroy my house. Um, <laughs> so we... <laughs> We, we, had a, we had a week, uh, my wife and I had a week uh, here in South Africa. She just went back home yesterday, and it was such a wonderful experience. So I, yours is the only nation I've ever been to, whereupon leaving, I immediately wanted to return. And so I was very glad to get to, get to take her uh, and, and enjoy the amazing things that exist in this country. So, to Jonah. We will read, I will pray, and then by faith, God's going to speak to us in his word. Jonah chapter 3. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now, Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breadth. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and he called out, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. The word reached the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. And he issued a proclamation and published through Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water, but let men and beast be covered with sackcloth, and let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who knows? God may turn and relent and turn from the fierce anger so that we may not perish. When God saw what they did, how they turned away from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them and did not do it. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we love that you have inspired men to write down the stories and the teachings that we need. Thank you for the Bible. Thank you for the miracle of the scriptures themselves. So Lord, we love to hear from your Holy Spirit in our hearts, but speak to us now through your word and make us more like you and show us, God, how to love people especially people we don't normally love. In Jesus' name, amen. You know those people? You know who those people are. You know, they're the people who've been really uh, not so nice to you. Uh, they're, they, they're the ones who, maybe they don't look quite like you uh, or talk quite like you. They're, they're not from the same neighborhood that you're from. They're definitely not the same income level, right? They're those people. They're the people that have been rude, ugly. You just, you know, you love them in Jesus' name. But you just, after church today, you're not going to go have lunch with them because they're those people. 
Now imagine God comes to you and says, you, go, preach to those people. As you guys have been studying the book of Jonah, I'm sure it's already come up that Jonah hated the people of Nineveh. Not a little bit, not like I don't prefer Nineveh, right? Like I'm sure there's some sort of like Johannesburg versus Cape Town, like we, Joburg's better, right? Like there's a little rivalry, right? You know, um, and I mean that in the most pandering way possible. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure there's natural rivalries. This is above and beyond a natural rivalry. The people of Nineveh had come and constantly attacked Israel and would take their sons and daughters and enslave them. They would oppress them. They would push against them. These aren't people that Jonah didn't just not prefer. He hated them, and he had a really good reason to. It wasn't an immature hatred. It wasn't like, well, they'd like a different sports team than me. It was a deep and abiding, meaningful, sensible response to what the people of Nineveh had done. And God sent Jonah to them. Now, the first two chapters of this book highlight how much Jonah did not like that, right? And then you also learned how, uh, how much of a bad idea it is to try and hide from the Lord um, because he will find you. Uh, and <laughs> Jonah hadn't been reading the book of Psalms where it says, if I go up to heaven, you're there. If I go down to hell, you're there. He didn't know that part. He was like, maybe I can take a boat and get away from God. He had not gone through foundations yet, okay? <laughs> And the Lord, you know, noped his idea and brought him back. And so the story opens up with the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. Why the second time? Because God loves them. Whoever your them are, God loves them. Now, this is an important message. It's important from where I come from, the United States, because right now our society feels like we're really trying hard to pull ourselves apart. We've got, in our church, people who are trying to make America great again and people who are, you know, full-on Black Lives Matter in the same communion line the other week. I'm going, oh, Lord, <laughs> thank you for unity. Indeed, it's a calling in every nation to grow and plant churches and campus ministries that are filled with people that don't all look like me or you or the people you like or the people you don't but that God has called us to be a part of a family of churches that's really diverse, and not just diverse in like the, you know, the photo way, the Instagram diverse, like, like culturally diverse, musically diverse, in our language, in our feeling, as deeply as we possibly can be. It's a rare thing. The other day, uh, I had the privilege of touring the Apartheid Museum, and of course, you know, I've learned about Nelson Mandela in school, but getting to, getting to, do another deep dive into the history of your nation and seeing how remarkable he was, not just for the thing he achieved politically, but how he managed to make his enemies his allies. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. And it's such a gospel thing because when Jesus comes to rescue us, friends, he's not coming because we're pretty good people and he just scoots us across the finish line. Jesus died to save his enemies and make us his family. So today I want to show you what happens when God loves them. <laughs> then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. When God loves them, the first thing he does is teach us to love them. 
Not just to like them, not just to tolerate them. Look at me. Toleration is a politically correct, cheap, imitation, aspartame-filled version of love. If I tolerate you, I mean, that's, I guess, better than openly hating you or killing you. I've just shoved that under the surface and sprinkled sugar on top. That's how toleration works. But in the, among the people of God, we're not meant to tolerate one another. We're meant to love one another. And so when God begins to love your them, he, he starts to teach you to love your them. So, so here, the word of the Lord comes to Nineveh a second time. That's very highlighted in the original text because God wanted Jonah to learn something. Very often, we think when we're doing ministry for the Lord, you know, whether, whether you're out in the business world or you're in ministry or you're leading your small group, we think like, we're really doing God a favor. Like, it, it's really good of us to be helping out the Lord, you know, because he needed us. <laughs> One of the key features of being God is that you don't need people. Just fun fact. Whenever God sends you somewhere, he's always working a lot of angles. He's not just working on them. He's working on you. And so God sent Jonah to these people because God wanted to teach Jonah to love his them he says, arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it. Uh, in the original language, the phrase, the great city, is literally great to the Lord. So God's perspective on the people that Jonah hated was greatness. My friends, do you realize that the people you have good reason to greatly dislike are great in God's eyes? That every human looks like God. Do you know why God in the Old Testament was really, really not about making idols? And he, he, key feature in the Ten Commandments, don't make an idol. Don't make a little idol out of stone or gold or wood and, and, and worship it. Why? Because you look like God. God's already made little images of himself. You all. And so when God sends us to our them, the first thing he wants to do is teach us to love them because to God, our them, it's great. The second thing that happens when God loves them is that God shows us his heart. And we see this again when, when God said that it's a great city. That's fascinating to me because, um, no, they weren't. Like, these people were horrible. If you just study in ancient history the way Babylonians treated their enemies, oh, oh man, Oh man, like super corrupt. And they, I mean, these were the kind of people that would take over a city and kind of mail everyone in that city somewhere else and, and just take all the women and children as slaves. I mean, they, these were not good folks. That was not good foreign policy. And yet to them, or to God, th there was something in them that he loved. What does that show us? God's not just teaching us to love them. He's showing us what he is like. God wanted Jonah to see something of what God was like because Jonah didn't fully understand that God was not merely a tribal deity. You see, in the ancient Near East, deities were tribal. Right? You've got the God of this group and the God of that group and the God of this group. And, and when you went to war with another country or tribe, it was God versus God. But the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the God Jonah worshipped, Jonah didn't fully understand that God's territory was a little bit bigger than Israel. It's like the whole cosmos. And so God's revealing himself. Do you realize that when God sends you somewhere you might not want to go and forces you to befriend people you might not want to know, he's not just training you. He's showing you what he's like. We see his heart. 
when God loves them, the third thing that happens is, oh, he sends us. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now, it's very obedient of Jonah now that he's been disciplined. Some of you, you know that God is sending you to your them and you don't want to go because, Pastor Adam, you don't know what they've done to me. Pastor Adam, you don't know how my parents have been. You don't understand what people from that part of the city are like. Pastor Adam, you don't know what my boss has said to me. You don't know what the people who, who really like that other team, you don't understand. You're right, I don't understand. I don't understand, but God does. Because your them is not my them. But it is yours. And what we see in the book of Jonah is that when God loves them, not only is he teaching us to and he's revealing himself to us, but he sends us places we don't want to go. Guys, I don't know if you've picked up on this, but I'm a white person. Right? And yeah, a little bit. I'm like see-through white. I'm super white. I'm freckly white, right? When I had hair, it was red, like we, very white. And so, and I cut my teeth in ministry in Edinburgh, Scotland. The only non-white people in Scotland are people that got lost on the motorway. <laughs> Okay, it's, it's a very white place. And so when the Lord sent us to Boston, Massachusetts, I was like, Lord, I want to have a church that looks like that city. But Lord, I do not have the street cred <laughs> to have a church that looks like my city. My resume does not look like one who looks like my city. And by God's grace, when he sent me to this place that, I mean, I'm from the southern United States, and if you know anything about the south, it's better than the north. Um, <laughs> and so our weather is better, our food is better, we know how to build roads, our houses are cheaper, and we're all much more polite people. And so when you come visit the United States, skip New York and go to the south. You'll be glad you did. So I'm shoved up there in Boston where it's cold. Guys, my second year there, it snowed eight feet of snow. Yeah, yeah. If you just wonder if the devil's real, yes. Eight feet of snow. And so about every Wednesday, because that's the day that I do a lot of pastoral counseling, by the end of Wednesday, I'm like, Lord, I don't want to be here anymore. And he reminds me, no, I sent you there. I sent you to your them I sent you to a place where, you know, frankly, you'd rather not live. When people say, do you like living in Boston? My answer is usually, well, I love being in the will of the Lord. <laughs> like if I was going to run after the American dream, would I move there? Absolutely not. No, 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 no. But I live in the People's Republic of Boston because Jesus told me to. I'm not like them culturally. I'm not like them politically. I'm certainly not like them economically. But God loves them. God loves them, and I'm so glad he does, and I've learned so much about him, and I'm learning to love my them. When God loves them, the next thing he does is he grants them the gift of repentance. And the people of Nineveh believed God, and they called for a fast and put on sackcloth. I mean, this is the worst sermon ever that Jonah preached. <laughs> he was like, you want me to preach? Fine. And he walks in, he's like, 40 days, and then you're all going to die. All right, let's go over here. 40 days, <laughs> this was his message. That was it. That's all we have. Not a good sermon at all. And God used that small, untrained, 
not eloquent, frankly, unbiblical in ways. You know what I mean? Like, a little bit could have been better theologically. But God, Jonah said only what God told him to say. And God used it. Do you realize that you don't need a PhD to be useful to the Lord? Now, where I live, between Harvard and MIT, I'm getting one because I kind of think I need one. Yeah, it's, it's, like, it's like a permission slip to speak, yes. Um, so, but God has the capacity, indeed he enjoys, using what Paul would say, the foolishness of preaching to bring about the repentance of people. Do you realize that when you help someone cross the line of faith, when someone that you love, their eyes are open to their own sinfulness and their deep need for God's mercy, that was not you. You just got to watch something the Holy Spirit did. Do, do you love miracles? I love miracles. I, I love to see sick people get better. I love the gift of prophecy. I love all that stuff. Do you realize, though, that the greatest supernatural act is when the Holy Spirit takes our hard, stony, unbelieving, God-hating hearts, changes them, opens the eyes of a sinner to the message of God's mercy, and they repent and believe because finally, as a result of the work of the Spirit, it's the only thing they want to do. That is a miracle. And when God sends us to them, when God loves them, He starts opening eyes to see the goodness of Jesus. He starts opening eyes to repentance, not, not just religious experience, but repentance, turning away from sin, turning away from godlessness, turning away from immorality, turning away from paganism and all these things, putting on sackcloth and ashes and trusting the message. When God loves them, that's, that's what he does. When God loves them, he lavishes grace even to his enemies through his enemies. Did you catch that? Because we all sing, I am a friend of God. Yeah, yeah, I'm a friend of it. Well, you are now, but once you were not, and when you were not, it's not like you were a neutral party. The book of Ephesians chapter 2 says you were dead in your sins and you were an enemy of God. Enemy. You were in armed conflict against the king of the universe, serving his enemy, the king of this world. And when God rescued you, he rescued you by grace through faith to send you to them, send you to your enemies, even though you were once his enemy. Our God is not the kind of God who just rescues us and makes us his servants. Our God is the kind of God who rescues his enemies and makes us his family. My goodness. See, when God loves them, we, we get a, an even better story because, I don't know if you know this, you're them to God. You're the them. I mean, I'm, I'm so glad that, that God the Son didn't sit up in heaven going, Father, listen, I love you, um, but these people, have you seen them? They're rude, right? They're disgusting. Right? They're walking around with, with barely any shoes on. Can I go a hundred years later? They'll have better shoes. Right? See, you and I, we are the them to God. We were the them. But Jesus, our better Jonah, came to us willingly, not unwillingly. 
He left his home country, heaven, and was sent to us, the Nineveh of this world. Even though we've done everything to be his enemy, our truer and better Jonah came to us. He came to us and gave us the message faithfully, not just a little part of it, but for three years, living out the life that we should all live, teaching us what it means to trust in God. Jesus Christ, our better Jonah, wasn't just three days in a fish, but three days in a tomb. Not because of his disobedience, but because of God's love for us, that he laid upon his son the judgment and wrath of the Lord against sin, so that he could lay upon you the hand of friendship. Jesus, our better Jonah, experiences the full wrath of God, so that he might relent toward us You see, when God loves them, God sends a better Jonah. He sends Jesus. When God loves them, you and I get relationship with God. My friends, I love being a follower of Christ because Jesus is the only one amongst the pantheon of wannabe gods that invites us not to obey, 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 and then God might accept you, but rather he's the one who obeyed, 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 so that he can accept you, which means two wonderful truths. He can forgive you every time you fail him, and he can empower you to obey him every time you get back up. This is an amazing reality that when God loves them, and you and I begin to realize that we once were the them, then we are much more happily sent to our them. The math works like this, guys. If God loved his enemies at the cost of the blood of his son, then those who've received the blood of his son must go and do likewise. It is theologically improper, immoral, an abrogation of the gospel, and your duty as followers of Christ to not forgive your enemy. So what do we do with this? Well, as I mentioned, most of us are thems. We've got really good reasons to dislike them. But what I want to ask you today, for those of you in the room who are followers of Jesus, who is your them? And what are you going to do about it? Who's your them? And what are you going to do about it? Because you need to make a decision beyond just, okay, well, in church, I've decided that one time I'm going to, and then by the time you get about four kilometers away, you're just thinking about lunch and you don't remember again. I want, I want you to think, man of God, woman of God, who's your them? Who do you have a really good reason to hate that no one, no one would be mad at you for disliking? And for those of you who are here and you're maybe just checking out Christianity, I want to tell you that Jesus, our greater Jonah, has been sent to you. See, you are the them, just like we all once were. But we've gotten a better prophet who's come to us with the message of grace to show us the way back to God. And so our response, like the king of Nineveh should be, to repent. It literally just means to turn, to change one's mind, one's heart, one's body. You were once walking in your own way and you stop and you turn around and you follow Jesus. And so the the invitation I want to give to you today is would you turn and follow Jesus? Would you turn like the king of Nineveh and the rest of his people? 
or are you waiting for a better time? I've read the Bible a lot. I can assure you, you're not guaranteed a better time. The scriptures say today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. And so for my friends who are Jesus followers, let God soften your heart toward your enemy. And for those of you who aren't yet followers of Christ, may he soften your heart toward himself. I'm going to pray for you. Holy Spirit, I thank you for who you are and for what you have done in this church. And Lord, I thank you that even as this church has so faithfully embodied the message of reconciliation for years, you are raising up men and women in this house to be sent. Lord, I pray for my friends in here who are angry and have good reason to be, that you would grant them the ability to love their enemies because we were once your enemy and you have loved us. And Lord, for my friends in here who don't yet know you, I pray that they would. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit.